Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party and Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going really well, Shay. I'm back from LA, a little bit of a tan and uh, excited to get back to work and excited for this split, honestly. Yeah, of yeah. I'm glad you got tanned, not burnt. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you did a good job taking care of yourself down there at FidCon. <laughs> I used to think, you know, not putting on sunscreen was cool. Not cool. Just a little PSA. <laughs> you gotta put on sunscreen. It's like A, you don't want to get skin cancer, mm-hmm. but B, getting a sunburn sucks. Like yeah. big, big maturity leap for me, uh starting to put sunscreen I mean, on. So you get the I'm glad if you I get did. the 360 burn because you're like just at the beach hanging out all day. And so you go chest, shoulders, and back. You're just not having a good life sleeping for the next like week or so. Like you just you're not you're, gonna make you're it. Cooked. Yeah, you're, you're cooked. literally cooked <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Oh god. We'll insert the drum sounds there. My goodness. Yep. Okay, let's get into Apex stuff though. Today we're breaking down the latest and greatest in Apex news and answering some questions from Apple Podcasts and Discord. Before we do that though, we want to make sure you join us on Discord to ask those questions for the podcast, chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link for that is in the description. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Kirkrudoshay and at HB Burson. Links to those Twitters are in the description as well. The third party pod Twitter is also still active. Definitely. I don't know if we should keep doing that, but you know, keep an eye out for all three of these uh, Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. If you want to support the podcast, support the third party community, please consider joining us on Patreon. We're currently working on some sort of revision to our content rollout. Um, there's a ton of benefits over there, a lot of privileges. And right after this recording, we will be recording an exclusive episode just for patrons. So if you want more, you know where to find it. 100%. With that, though, let's dive into the news. First piece of news, season 13, like you said, ranked split two. It's live. It's on World's Edge. How's it feel to be back on World's Edge? You excited? I mean, you already mentioned a little excitement, but maybe talk through why you're excited to be back and excited for the split generally. I love World's Edge, I think, for the sole reason that there's so many high-quality POIs. Mm -hmm. Like, you can just have so much confidence in fighting, looting, rotating from a variety of places. The downside is all my favorite places like Big Mod, are usually contested off drop. So that hurts. But overall, there's so many great choices for dropping that the map just feels really refreshing Mm -hmm. to be on. I think the POIs are so well constructed as well that the fights just feel really nice Mm -hmm. when you are engaged there. Uh, So yeah, overall, really cool map. I'm excited to see how the uh, ranked changes kind of like play out over the course of this split as well. We talked about that on last week's show, so feel free to go back and give it a listen if you want our thoughts on that. Um, But yeah, overall, looking forward to it. It's always hilarious at the beginning of these resets and new seasons and stuff where I played a handful of games this morning uh, climbed like uh, a tier my first day immediately just got mm-hmm. murked by some preds um, it was great <laughs> uh, I did play with one demon though today this morning though so that was pretty funny because at the end of the game 
caught the dub. I was like, oh my gosh, that was a well thought out one. And I think I was chilling with like 1300 damage. Just like, man, I think I really did good in that last fight. Flips over to this yeah. other guy, 3,400. <laughs> like, when did that happen, man? I'll take the you carry. Said, I was really I'll it take the carry, yeah. but my goodness, I don't even know how you did it. So, yeah, early split stuff is always fun. Don't let it get to your head, though, if you get, uh, you know, ran through by some people that may just be in a different tier than you, normally speaking. Um, Anything else on that? I guess, like, are we back to World's Edge feeling like this is the best map for ranked? Yeah. Like coming yeah. off a of storm point, which a lot of people might say is the opposite mm-hmm. of that. Are we home? I mean, I think for the long time players and such, I think we're home. Okay. I think to me, I look at it and I'm like, no PVE, no tridents. Like this is what I'm used to in Apex. This is what competitive Apex feels like to me. Incredible POIs, the ability to hot drop as well. Cool rotates, choke points, but not like in the King's Can- old King's Canyon veins of like just too overwhelming in that way. Obviously, it's been the map that's kind of been worked on and updated probably the most for competitive play. And so I think it, it feels really nice to play on. I consider this one home for me. Um, I don't always say like it's my favorite map. I think it like most days it is. I think there's always the argument for some other ones in there because they play so differently. Uh, But yeah, overall, excited to be back on the edge. What about you though? I agree. I think a lot of people that maybe listened to last week's episode going over the rank changes are eager to get back in this split and test the solo queue viability. Uh And I think that World's Edge might be the best map at assessing the changes that are most recent at the top of this season. When you implement a system like this that is so competitive and has demotions and team KP and all these other variables, without a kill cap, you could see some East and West fragment really will light yeah, up totally. you know in the lower tiers so i'm super curious to test that out to get some games in uh to see how these first few weeks are going to look in terms of where people are dropping how fast you can earn uh your rp well if we can get through this podcast we can go play some games so uh take that with a little <laughs> a little reward for uh getting through these today um not that getting through these isn't anything bad or anything i just realized how that may have sounded <laughs> we absolutely love recording we'll these this yeah, we'll get this tro- no 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 but definitely some games after for sure though so mm-hmm. yeah i agree though i think you i think very good points next piece of news though a little personal third-party news, some heirloom it's news, big news, some big news. Henry, did you want to take it away? Because, I mean, here, let me preface. Nobody saw this Let me coming. preface. And, I mean, if you've been listening for a while, you know to your core that Henry does not spend money on Apex Legends. I would say I, I definitely spend more than you, but I'm not a big spender either. I'm not the whale that EA and Respawn are looking for to support their free game. But we we talked a big game last week on the podcast about how this might be the best collection event yet in terms of skins and heirloom combo. Took to Twitter as well to support that thought. And we put our money where our mouth was this time around. So feel free to walk them through what happened. (laughs) 
Well, you're just you're listening to two proud owners of the Valkyrie heirloom. <laughs> and and the yeah, I just stepped to let's go. And the whole collection <laughs> event. Like I I think it's fair to say that the combination of skins, both epic and legendary across the board, are at such a great level in this collection event, coupled with the fact that most of the best heirlooms out there terms of like our tier list are large like valkyries and valk is a top tier mm-hmm. legend that we both love who's going to stay in the meta where when faced with the economical decision <laughs> you gotta pull the trigger so we did our we support the game we're we're putting the money where the mouth is and uh yeah no regrets no regrets. The craziest thing, though, is that isn't all the heirloom news that happened from the weekend. Leading up to this decision, the game gods decided to bless me and give me some shards just out of some packs. Uh, if you're in the uh, Patreon the Patreon Discord channel uh, for our exclusive uh, chats with patrons, they were the first to know that the heirloom had been collected, gathered some feedback, got some thoughts. Um Maybe this one's controversial, but at the end of the day, ended up walking away with the crypto heirloom, the Baiwan blade, feeling like a badass now. I'm absolutely maining the heck out of crypto. So it's fun as heck. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think the crypto heirloom is definitely S tier and it gives you a good reason to play crypto. Yeah. And we were, we caught a couple really good uh, duos games yesterday. and. If you're using the EMP aggressively, mm-hmm. like you're really close to people, you toss it out, you use the EMP, man, that's one of the most offensive abilities in yeah. the game. Like when you really like dial it Don't in. worry, I'm already thinking of buff ideas at this point. Like good, we'll, we'll have good. a full episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Next piece of news Love though, it. let's keep it rolling. Uh, Apex Legends Mobile dropped the fade uh, story slash trailer story. They didn't call it a story from the Outlands, but that's essentially what it was uh, in the context of what we're used to. Just want to kind of talk through it real quick, give some quick reactions. We're not going to dive as deep into it as we do with all the other stories from the Outlands, but obviously for anyone who doesn't know, Fade is the unique legend to Apex Legends Mobile. Uh, and so we have no plans of seeing Fade in the regular Apex game. And we kind of got to see the story of how he got his phase rewind technology. Any kind of first thoughts, takeaways from the trailer itself? We're lore guys. We love this kind of stuff. It was done very well. Um, My first takeaway is, wow, they're serious about mobile. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make an award-winning game. This, you know, this is serious. And I think this is a huge step in the right direction for making mobile last a long time, have its own community. I love to see this kind of stuff. I'm just fascinated as well to see where the story goes. Like, you don't have to play the game to follow along with the story is always the nice thing about some video games, especially these free-to-play ones. I think, like, you could get the general gist of the Apex storyline if you went through and watched all the trailers in order. And so I think you're going to be able to do the same thing with mobile. Obviously, phase rewind, rewind technology. There is some link to the Wraith phase in the portal that we are used to and i'm just interested if that and or this mysterious boss that we're kind of left with at the end of the game will link back to lore that's connected to the apex universe that we're kind of like used to right now um 
Yeah. So that'll be interesting to monitor, essentially, is kind of my big takeaway. Next piece of news, though, a must-see tourist attraction is opening for Apex. An official Apex Legends Cafe will open in Tokyo next month with Nessie Food. A quote from the restaurant, in the cafe, we will offer collaboration food uh, and sweets with Nessie, as well as drinks inspired by all 21 legends. Is this uh, this expedite any trips to Tokyo for you, Henry? <laughs> I I think this stuff is hilarious. Um, you know, Apex is a worldwide phenomenon, mm-hmm. and you know, I I was just uh, in Ballard in Seattle, and I drove past like a, it's called the Splintered Wand, yeah. and it's like a Harry Potter themed bar, and very similar to this, like. I am so happy that businesses can be run surrounding the IP of video games and movies. Like, what a crazy world to live mm-hmm. in. 100%. I, can, can we open a Star Wars restaurant? Is that a thing in places? What are the rules? How do we get this done? Um, I'm invested now. Write that down on, on the notebook. Write, Write it, it down. down. Let's get a business plan, <laughs> draft it up. All right. I'm so we'll let it. the uh we'll get the next uh next episode we'll we'll share the plan with you guys and uh you can vote on if you think it's worth the time or not. Anyways though. I'm working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh next piece of news though. Uh TSM Imperial Hal, he dropped some rank stats from the first split. We're not really sure on the sourcing of it, but it's pretty interesting information. And I think the big takeaway to note here is that HAL is big enough that if there are huge incorrectness in information and this information, a developer will probably respond to the tweet and say something. So maybe this was somebody internally that gave him this information to share. I'm really interested. Either way, Henry and I love seeing this data, love transparency. Um, maybe just talking top level stuff, just give quick highlights. Uh, you know, Predator was 0.1% of players. Masters, Diamond 1, Diamond 2 were all 0.2. Diamond 3 was really dang close to 0.2. Diamond 4 was 1.2, so a little bit of a jump there for sure. Uh, but generally speaking, I think. Really what the main takeaway from this is that the curve, or however, was somewhat what we were expected looking at the last split where that everyone was pushed so much lower than they have previously. Uh, and we have not seen the same amount of players in Pred, Master, Diamond, or even Plat as ever before. Even an argument for Gold 1. Gold 1 was 9, or sorry, Gold, I, I read it wrong. Gold 1 was still 13.565%, which... You know, that's not a lot of players making gold when the majority of people were in gold in their previous splits. What are your takeaways kind of looking at this information? Yeah, it, we don't know uh, the accuracy of this kind of information, but I do find it interesting to look at how I think the best way to approach data like this is looking at the rank breaks. So if you just kind of look at the top level, diamond was excruciatingly competitive mm-hmm. like insane you know you're you're looking at the top one two percent of players able to get to diamond in the first split that is relatively insane mm-hmm. to all previous ranked distributions because you and i we can solo queue 
mm-hmm. you know, almost all the way through plat, no problem, get into D4. And then, you know, depending on the season, there's a, a hard break at D3 mm-hmm. or D2. There was nothing like this. That break, that wall where you started playing against the top players in the world was almost at the end of gold. Yeah. You know, like we just saw a huge like change in the distribution. And this data does support that. So, you know, I think the question now going into this next split will be, are these changes that are implemented at this split going to change these numbers? But then maybe on top of that, how many masters do we yeah, want? Yeah. Do we want it to be a fifth of a percentile? Do we want it to be half a percentile? Do we want it to be 1%, 2%, 5%? That's the decision I think you have to make. I don't know if everybody agrees with my perspective on it, but I think if you have goal-oriented changes for how you want to distribute players, that's the best way to set it up. But these numbers, I don't know if we're in a good balanced point in terms of the distribution. I don't know if we're in a good balanced point. And kind of like how I saw people talking about things recently, I think Daltus was kind of the one that pointed it out, actually. That was kind of in the more popular side of creators, which is just that if it's so much harder to get into these tiers now and that's the direction we want to be going, the reward should probably be higher as well. Something we talked about before mm-hmm. the changes. So I'm really interested to see if people kind of keep pushing that messaging uh, on the player side, if we will get any response to that uh, and incentives in any other way, shape, or form. Yeah. Go ahead. Anything else? You looked like you were about to say something. I was, I was just saying, like, <laughs> how could you push the rewards even yeah. more? Because if you're used to hitting platinum and now you're you know struggling silver or gold that's frustrating you're probably going to quit mm-hmm. unless they really bump up the rewards i mean like coins you know, exclusive yeah, skins, coins, skins like maybe yeah. coins a cash out could be cool exclusive skins um legend maybe even tokens maybe like legend <laughs> we don't we probably don't want legend some tokens, people need legend tokens henry <laughs> true People do. I'm saying, like, if you tier them, the reward, if you say, like, rookie, yeah. bronze, silver, you know, those tiers get legend it's tokens and then you I love get up that in idea. the coins and, and then, yeah, preds the top, get shards. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be 150 shards. If you really want to, masters you know, get shards, gatekeep, you could give them 50. Oh, I see you what you're know, saying. Not even a whole heirloom. Like, you could say, if you say, man, we need to make the money. It's going to take you three seasons of hitting mm-hmm. diamond in order to get an yeah. heirloom. I'm cool mm-hmm. with that. I'll, I'll work mm-hmm. for that. No mm-hmm. problem. I'll keep playing. No problem. Yeah. So I think it's cool. I, I, I definitely like that. And I think as they introduce the mythic skins as well, continue to introduce those, there's room to do more with shards. There's so many options. It's getting hard and harder and hard, harder and harder and harder for people to get everything, even if they're spending a lot of money. A couple other pieces of news, though. Uh, we kind of had some untalked about changes in the patch notes um, that are untalked about changes in the game that weren't mentioned in the patch notes that were worth mentioning. Uh, the first one, kind of a fun little thing that was pointed out by some people on Reddit, uh, the crane slash tower, whatever you want to call it, outside of fight night between docks and carrier has been removed from the game. No comments from the devs on this one, but you actually noted in our behind the scenes that this is pretty interesting because this has been a crane of controversy in the past in terms of it not operating in the same way 
others have in terms of it being a similar structure that's been passed from map to map. Yeah, like a year or so ago, they made it so that it was out of bounds mm-hmm. on the screen. And in previous versions of the exact same piece of Geo on World's Edge at Sorting Factory, you could go up there, zipline on top, hang out. Um, but for some reason, this specific crane, I don't think we need to spend too much of the pod <laughs> talking about it, but it is interesting to to think about that the devs care deeply about this yeah, crane. definitely. There's some sure. thought. Now it's going. <laughs> Another uh, just little random change was found by YouTuber Skeptation. Uh, and that is that when you now aim at or near hollow sprays, they will fold down, uh, which is a cool little you know UI change and bug fix change, if you want to call it a bug, that uh, obviously just makes it that you can't really use the hollow sprays as ways to make it harder to aim at people and obstruct vision. It's something that has been a point, pain point for pros to the point that it has already been removed from pro play. And now we're seeing it translate over, obviously, into the regular game in another way that kind of bridges the gap. I actually wonder if this is maybe a potential sign of uh, gold knockdown stuff. Uh, coming down the line if they're saying, hey, you know, we removed this from pro play. We're actually making a change to make it better in the, for regular lobbies. Maybe that's kind of the route we'll take in terms of figuring kind of a happy medium to keep it in in the loop pool without removing it entirely. <laughs> Very optimistic, Shay. We I stay like optimistic. I'm just like, I can't get started or else I'll go five minutes on the gold knockdown every time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Don't talk uh, about Before getting to some questions, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. We got a couple questions to answer today. A couple five or one five star and a couple questions from Discord. So the first question is a five star coming from Apple Pod, coming from Alec. Long time listener, but first time reaching out. First of all, thank you all for the content you guys put out. Your chemistry is strikingly similar to what I have with one or two of my homies, which makes the show twice as enjoyable for me. My question is that if Apex is con- is growing constantly and adding new players, then what is the likelihood of seeing farm teams in the near future? As someone that followed League from beta through Fakers, oh, I don't know how to say some of these other League players and their infamous careers, I'd love to have the All-Star game or the casters take over. I knew League was more of an overnight success, but that just makes me wonder if the ceiling for this game is very high too. Alec, some interesting thoughts. Um... So my understanding of what uh, farm teams are in esports is that farm teams are essentially a practice squad. So like in the CDL uh, phase, we'll have a farm team of other players that the main phase team practices against. And you can then have the farm team essentially be like a B team on a route to continue to grow and develop into the esports scene. Um, I could be wrong on that, but that is kind of my basic understanding of it from knowledge I have and a little bit of research I did. I'm honestly not exactly sure how that structure would fit into Apex Esports where practice games and scrims and such require so many more people than these other like games like League and CDL stuff. Um, any insights on your end on this though, Henry? Esports is really tough. You know, uh, Shay and I both kind of have careers that are adjacent to esports orgs uh, and influencers in general. It's very expensive uh, to pay for teams in general. Um, and so having B teams in a battle royale, it's a cool idea. There are, you know, training teams out there. You know, 
One of the big issues, I think, for pro scene is exactly what you said, Jay, and that it is a BR, so it requires so many players. I hope that in the next 6 to 12 months, we can get a more formalized scrims mm-hmm. scene and maybe having something like this where a team like FaZe, for example, has their main roster, but then they also have a practice team that could be very large. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be like not under contract. It could just be kind of fans Prospects. of FaZe. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, this is my rank. I would love to help you guys practice. They could, yeah, just prospects mm-hmm. not signed so that we don't have to pay them. But that could help fill up some lobbies to get more reps in in a scrims environment because the issue is people don't believe ranked is a good practice for competitive. We would probably agree with that. So maybe there's a solution. Yeah, we're seeing the senior game designer though. And the reason I was so excited to say this was that mm-hmm. it, they want to link high levels of ranked to grassroots of pro play. So it seems like we're moving in the right direction in terms of there being a link in some way, shape, or form. Um, Yeah, I mean, all-star game, cool concept. I I think it would be kind of fun to see the best players, you know, play on different teams against each other. But at the same time, it just comes back to the player lobby. I, You know, if it takes 60 people to fill a lobby... I don't think there's 60 quote-unquote all-stars in Apex right now. There's so much fluidity fluidity from match to match just because of how the scene is created. Um, so yeah, a little tougher on that than maybe some other uh, esports scenes. Next question coming from Sleepy Nightmare. Hey guys, listen to your podcast while I'm at work. And when I first started listening, I used your Wraith episode to use and won my first game. What other legends do you recommend trying, and what advice would you give to a new player? Man, I, I love this. I love this. Nice, open-ended question. I know, giving right? us the credit as yep. well for the Softball. dub. Giving us the credit. So, uh, And and we mm. always like to say... We love that. We love, we that. love it, but hey, you know, you listen to the pod, awesome, but <laughs> you practice, you do it yourself, you know. You, you're getting the dubs, mm-hmm. take the credit for yourself. We're happy that you could attribute any part of that to us. Man, but what other legend do you recommend trying? I should definitely not say the one I just got the heirloom for. That would not be a good decision. Um, no, 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 no. The free legends, okay? Yes. They're really good. They are. Can I say one that's not a free legend and I should say should be your go first ahead, unlock? I ahead. think it's a pretty default answer, but I think we both always say Valk because she is just so incredibly fun to play and useful at all levels of play. And she's such a cool combo in that that is pretty unique, honestly, in terms of the newer legends that come into the game. So I love her. And if you are playing aggressively with Wraith, she kind of fits into that play style still as well. Valk's definitely on the upper end of a skill ceiling, I would say. But having you can start out with her, and I think that's valuable because the more reps and practice you have with Valk, the better you're going to get at using the tactical, finessing with the mm-hmm. passive, things like that. Um, you know, those free legends, Bloodhound, Bangalore, Gibraltar, yeah. Lifeline, Pathfinder, these are all, you know, great great characters in the game um i'm a gibraltar main i'm kind of biased on that but if you're playing uh wraith i think 
going with something like Valkyrie could be a good next unlock, but also I think an early, early unlock for everybody should be Octane as well. Just super straightforward, very helpful to the team, super fun, um, casual, and I think at most levels of ranked can be effective. So, Yeah, I I think very good answer for sure. Uh, Next question coming from Massive Flyer. Gentlemen, what are some examples of good and bad Apex etiquette? What are the unwritten rules? Like, we know it's bad form to loot teammates' death boxes, but what else should we all be watching out for to be the best possible teammates? Uh, don't disconnect or quit when you die. Number one, easily. It's a good um, one. Don't spam the respawn beacon if someone's grabbed your banner and uh, or ping your banner on repeat either. That's a big etiquette. Uh, that's the only one that'll get me to not respawn a teammate if it's not ranked. What else comes to your mind? Stick with your jump master for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah. And obviously like, like I, break off, you know, towards the end, like to mm-hmm. separate yourself so you're not landing and looting the exact same spot, but do not go dropping a random POI. My goodness. <laughs> Don't do that. Another thing that's definitely more nuanced that I think is a good apex etiquette tip is don't stand in front of your teammates when they're firing at enemies. And this is kind of hard. It's, it's a lot of situational awareness because you need to think about, okay, a teammate has an angle. It does no good to take that angle mm-hmm. from them, even if you think and it's you good. you think you're a better shot. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you really can't be doing that. So that takes kind of a lot of strategy almost because you have to identify, okay, what are the good angles? Teammate already has an angle. I need to move myself in order to get another angle. Can't just all stay in the same doorway and you know block each other's bullets for 10 mm-hmm. minutes. So that's a good I got one. another one, and I'm guilty of it, especially when I play with like you and buddies, because it's a little bit more of a it's not as big of a deal, but it's annoying one with randoms. And it's that if someone is like approaching a death box or not a death box, a loot bin or some piece of loot that's on the ground that is of value whether it be like a bat or a mag or a barrel stabilizer or something give them a second because they might be trying to clear something out of their inventory (laughs) especially early game but i am so a guilty man of just coming in swiping that stuff but like last thing you want to do is like if you got two bats and you're trying to clear space for another one and then you drop that ammo stack and hope you come out of your inventory the bat's gone because your teammate just came through and ripped yep. that thing. <laughs> Don't be swiping loot. Those are good ones. Next question is coming from Failsafe. What is the most fun but not popular legend in your opinions? <laughs> Great question. I'm so biased. Easy right answer now. for me. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Rampart. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Rampart time. Like There's never been a better Rampart time. Rampart with mm-hmm. the Spitfire and the Rampage being on the ground. You gotta love the ultimate. You gotta love the state of the tactical amped cover, and the passive is at an all-time high in terms of its strength. Mm-hmm. So that's easy, yeah. easy answer. I mean, for for me personally, uh, nah, I can't even like I was gonna say crypto because like I'm running him because I got the heirloom, but he's not for everyone at all because it's like I have fun going around with the drone, but that's just not for everyone. So I'm gonna pivot my answer. Uh, I'll, I'll say Loba when the bracelet works. Um, unlike some of the maps that we're on, I think she's an incredibly fun legend, incredibly useful legend to play. 
that obviously is not in that upper tier. Eh, a little shout out to my main man, Mirage, because he's all, I always have a blast over there. Last question, though, coming from Trippy Ginger Overlord. What do you guys have your ADS movement sensitivity set to? Mine is on five, which feels kind of slow, but the huge difference between five and six is going to take some practice to get used to. Oh, this is a fun question. Do you have sense just off the top of your head? Kind of slow, he says. Kind of slow. He says five and six. I'm a four four. Yeah. I'm a four three now. So I am I really tone it down. Um I think I, I believe it was Snipe down who I said uh who I saw talking about this. And he's kind of someone I looked at for his stuff because it's, you know, he's a controller guy known for having great aim on controller. And for him, what he was just was like. It's really cool to have the high sense. Everyone loves watching the person that has high sense and flicking from thing to thing, grabbing the loot really quickly. Um, But generally speaking, the lower your sensitivity, the better your aim will be. Um, And so finding the balance between too low and so that like your movement suffers versus being too high that your aim suffers, I think is a personal thing. Six starts to get too high for me, but I think, you know, four to five is. Is pretty dang good, but it's definitely personal preference. That's gonna wrap up this show, though. Unless you got any other yeah. thoughts, <laughs> no other thoughts. Sweet. Thank you to everybody for the third party ten. It's over over on Patreon. Subscribe and have a pause. Or follow on Spotify and check out the Discord. Be the link in the description. Thanks so much for listening to the third party podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom! Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.